We are here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal, in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hello. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We have had a great time with the show so far, haven't we? We've talked about a few actors, a couple of movies, and a director. But what we haven't done yet is take a deep dive into the early years of some of our favorite directors. So today, Greg and I are doing something a little different. Today, we are doing our individual top 10 lists of the best short films directed by famous directors. First, a few ground rules. One, the short film could have been made at any point in their career. It could be one made before they made it big. It could be one they made after they stopped making features. Basically, David Lynch's shorts count. Two, we can do one short film for each director. And three, music videos do not count, although the John Landis thriller music video will hold the number one spot in my heart for eternity. So without further ado, let's hop right in and see where some of the greatest directors in Hollywood started out. This was such a fun binge. Holy hell, right? It was. Yeah. It's like each each short film is like a little candy flavored <laughs> to that director. You know, I, I just know, couldn't right? stop. I was like, one more. One more, one more, right? Yeah, no, I um, I really did like my massive binge last night. I just sat down with my with my girlfriend, and we just we just binged so many of them, and there was just like, oh my god, like this is so interesting. And it's yeah. interesting how some of these directors they did short films that are very different than movies they ended up making, and some of them are very similar, obviously, but some of them you're like really this guy made that like yeah why there's some really experimental stuff in there which kind of makes sense i guess if you're a film student and trying to find your style because that seems mm-hmm. to be the root of most of these is like the credits will say like this and that film school so yeah it makes sense that there's some more experimental stuff in there Hmm. yeah no for sure um this was an episode i really was looking forward to because we haven't really done too much of like looking into like just a a bunch of great directors and their early work and whatnot we've mainly done like a lot of we focus on one person on a podcast episode we go through like all their stuff so this was interesting just to be like let's just focus on the early works of everyone you know yeah and i really liked it because i walked out of this being really inspired i mean like we're this is a podcast for amateur filmmakers so the fact that we're walking away like Hey, like, I actually want to write some short films of my own. That's, I think that's, you know, that's incredible. Yeah, that's a big thing, too, because this is kind of all of these, all of these all time great directors at their least skilled for the most part, (laughs) right? Like, this is as messy as their work gets. And for some of them, it's like, oh, really? That's, I, I could maybe do that. Like, if I, (laughs) if I had the idea, I can picture how they executed that. Yeah, it's a little messy and it's, it's not perfect, but yeah, I can see how it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, like it kind of makes them not seem like they're you know gods at this point. Like it just makes them seem a little bit more like, oh, okay. There are some we'll definitely get into them, but I was like, fuck, why did I think of that? I could have yeah. done that. Like I could have done that if I had the idea first. Like fuck, you know. It was like one of those like museums you go to where it's like this art piece has won like millions of dollar and it's millions of dollars and it's literally like a piece of tape on a wall and you're like 
well, I could have done that. You know? <laughs> I didn't know that counted. <laughs> I didn't know that counted. Like, God, like, come on. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of messy, a lot of, but no matter what, super creative. Like, you can see, I mean, you. it's, I don't know if you could have predicted through any single one of these short films that the person mm-hmm. behind it would have gotten huge. But yeah. there's definitely patterns if you're familiar with their filmmaking of like, okay, you carried these ideas yeah. into your, your big budget projects. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, some of these I'm definitely like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I would have seen them, but I wouldn't have thought like, who is that guy? Some of them definitely. Some of them I'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be big. Mm-hmm. That guy gets his hands on a big project. But some of them I'm like, hmm, you know, like... It was good, but like I don't, I don't see him directing, you know, anything huge anytime soon. But it's it's incredible that they've kind of moved on to do that. So yeah, that's something I enjoyed. Um, yeah, no, it's just it's it's it like you said, like it's it's really interesting to see these like amazing polished directors at like their messiest, where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, <laughs> like that's doable. <laughs> that's doable, yeah. So the way we're going to do this list is Greg is going to do his 10 through 6, then I'll do my 10 through 6, and then Greg will do his 5 through 2, I'll do my 5 through 2, and then we'll both talk about our favorite short film by a famous director. Um, Very simple. Yeah. Just easy. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it balanced. But we'll start start with some honorable mentions. 100%. Because we both watched so many, and I kind of... Uh, these are the ones on the list are more my favorites that I would go back to, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a lot that deserve a shout out and that are also really easy to find on YouTube and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely check these out because they're really interesting to watch and a lot of them are just really fun and they're not super long. A lot of them are pretty like five, ten minutes long, something like that. So Yeah, I think just... the longest ones are maybe a half hour. There's there's few yeah. that are any longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think any of them go past 40 minutes. So, yeah. Which is which is great. So it, Most yeah. of them are just like a little short YouTube video. So either way, if you're scrolling through YouTube, yeah. maybe lo- type in, you know, your favorite director plus mm-hmm. short film and then you'll find something cool. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being lazy, guys. Just <laughs> search it up. All right. It's a three minute video. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. My honorable mentions. Um, start with Vincent by Tim Burton because it's just pure Tim Burton. It's, it's literally about a little melodramatic claymated boy who wants to be Vincent Price so bad. (laughs) And it's just, you kind of see his perspective of how dramatic, what a drama queen he is versus his parents who are like, get it together, go play outside. And it's really funny and, and dark and weird. Yeah. Um, and then next I've got Lick the Star by Sofia Coppola, which actually has some, interesting parallels with her first film um oh virgin suicides yes virgin suicides there we go i was blanking for a second i didn't get to that one i'm I'm disappointed but i'll definitely check that one out yeah it was pretty cool there's some of that music video type of style in there (laughs) yeah um i don't know if i got much from the characters though to be honest so that's why it 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 belongs on the on the list of honorable mentions for the style more than rewatchability oh yeah some of these short films are nice because they're just like the they're like the dress rehearsal to like their feature films, like yes. their directorial debuts, which I think is cool because it's it's cool to to see like them kind of mess up and then 
to watch their directorial debut and see how successful it is. So that's mm-hmm. something I appreciated about it. Yeah, you um, kind of see yeah. the style without, you know, any refinement in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, another honorable mention, My Best Friend's Birthday by Tarantino. This is like a meandering pop culture conversation, <laughs> but just for like, I don't know, a half hour, 20 minutes. There's There's a little <laughs> bit of kung fu in there. But it really is aimless and messy Tarantino just, like, indulging the things he likes. And yeah. it's it's fun and cool. And there's a lot of, like, needle drops. And clearly you can tell he loves music. He loves conversations oh, yeah. that don't really go anywhere. And it's it's yeah. pretty fun to see, I don't know, Tarantino, who's so well known for his style, kind of not have a clear style yet. But there's certain qualities in there mm-hmm. that are familiar. So that one was yeah. pretty fun. I got to check that one out. Wasn't that like that was a feature film and then he like lost some of it in a oh, fire or something like that? Is that the case? I think that might be the case. Yeah. But now it's like only like a 35 minute movie, which is kind of cool because I mean, like, I'm glad he still released like the part of it that was, you know, made. But um, that kind of makes yeah. sense because there's definitely like a ton of characters <laughs> and it's not super clear how they're all connected at all times. Yeah. Which it is also kind of a Tarantino thing, though. So I didn't know that if that is, was on purpose. Or... Very... Yeah. I, hey, who knows who started that fire? You know, maybe it was yeah. him. <laughs> um, next, I've got Doodlebug by Chris Nolan. Because I, I'll, I'll, I have a feeling that'll come up later. But I'll just say it was interesting. It was well done. It was kind of not as traditional as Nolan's other, you know, feature films are. So mm-hmm. I appreciated that. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, I got a shout out to The Big Shave by Martin Scorsese because that just made my skin crawl. It's basically oh, yeah. like, yeah, if you have if you have any anxiety watching someone shave their face, um, you will probably want to cover your eyes for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I I got Cigarettes and Coffee by PTA on here. Um, this this short film got reworked into Heart Eight mm-hmm. later on. And you can definitely see that DNA in there. It probably would have made my list if I found it in better quality because yeah. the, the version that was ripped to YouTube was really hard to watch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But it gets an honorable mention. And then 100%. I've got Antoine and Colette by Francois Truffaut, which was an entry into a short film series I think he did or he collaborated with other maybe new wave French directors about kind of love at different stages in life. So it's kind of like a less ambitious before trilogy, but oh, French wow. and not from Linklater. Yeah, it's not yeah. as romantic. It's kind of more like the faults of of love in your 20s. The first one, I've, I only watched the first one. It was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was interesting. The character, the main character is kind of unlikable, but yeah. <laughs> If you like French people in the 60s, it's worth a watch. And then yeah. The Lift. That sounds interesting, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool. I might watch the whole series just to see where it goes. Yeah. And then my last honorable mention is The Lift by Robert Zemeckis, because Zemeckis Ooh. is, he's kind of like, I always associate him with George Lucas a little, because he uses technology in really new ways and kind of pioneers stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But the lift is super simple. It's just like a dude whose who's elevator at work won't work properly. And uh, the, I don't know. It's kind of like a typical short film thing where like he dies at the end. but And then the lift oh, starts wow. moving. Um, 
But Jesus yeah. Jesus Christ, that seems so dark. Oh, <laughs> For Zemeckis, right? But it's weirdly yeah. like kind of funny too. I don't know. Yeah. So, when you said like, oh, it's a it's a short film about an elevator that won't work, I was like, oh, okay, it's gonna be like a quirky comedy, and then you're like, yeah, well, he dies at the end. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, like, damn. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. You know, it kind of felt like a deep film student type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check that one out now. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I love your honorable mentions. I think they're great. Um, yeah, I really wanted to get to Lick the Star by Sofia Coppola, and I wanted to get to Best Friend's Birthday, but I really love a lot of the movies that you brought up. Um, I'll have to check out this Antoine and Colette. Is that on YouTube or is that on Criterion? That one I found on Criterion. Damn. Okay. I'll bite the bullet. I'll get a, I'll get a membership or whatever. Um, Honestly, just watch it all in the 14-day trial. They're, they're so short. <laughs> Cancel. Exactly. I, I definitely will. Um yeah um yeah and then the lift that sounds interesting so yeah no it's a great it's a great honorable mentions uh my honorable mentions are um day of the fight by stanley kubrick Ooh, uh just like a kind of like a documentary kind of esque thing um pretty short like 12 minutes long this is the only short film i've seen by kubrick but i remember seeing it and i remember really liking it because um it's just like a documentary for like eight, the first eight, ten minutes of it. And I was really into it. And then the fight happens at the end. It's about two boxers and the fight happens at the very end. And he does such a good job with the first like ten minutes. The last two minutes where they're fighting, I'm invested. Like, I, I care. I'm like, I, I want to see everything that happens. It's just well shot and really well done. So that's super interesting. Definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, next is The Big Shave, uh, as well, from Martin Scorsese. This is a good one. This one I've seen before, but, um, yeah, no, I just, I just like how this builds. I just like how it starts off very, like, uh, you know, like, it's just, you're like, okay, what's this about exactly? And then you're kind of like, oh, this is the direction we're going. Okay. All right. Well, fuck you, Scorsese. Yeah. Why'd you do that? Why are you putting me through this? As soon as you start wondering, like, where is this going? It starts going, and you're like, oh no, go back. <laughs> are we are we spoiling these, or are we? I I don't know. Is that a? It's it's like a five minute thing. I don't think we've like said exactly thing. what happens. Just that. It's, yeah. It's anxiety producing. It? That's true. I'll I'll leave this one because I feel like it's so just... short. Like it's. Also, I mean, also, too, I feel like you can guess what happens when it's, he's shaving, you know? <laughs> what, is, what happens that's intense when you're shaving? There's, like, one thing you can do, you know? Yeah, that's a thing, yeah. Put the razor in your mouth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> he just keeps going, basically. Yeah, he just keeps going. Um, Small Deaths and Swimmer, two short films by Lynn Ramsey. I wasn't a big fan of either of these, to be completely honest, but... Small Deaths had an interesting idea to it that I thought was was cool, and it made me want to watch more of her stuff. I've seen You Were Never Really Here. I need to rewatch it because I didn't really get enough from it the first time, I don't think. But mm. I also I don't know if I really appreciated her style as much. Um, and I had read the book before watching the movie, and I find the movie and the book pretty different, so like in tone-wise, so... Um, that that's something that just, just, I put this on the list just because it made me want to dig more into her stuff and swimmer. I didn't really love, but it looks so good. So yeah, definitely check that one out. Um, 
Cigarettes and Coffee by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. That's a really good one. I really enjoyed that one a lot. Um, a little confusing, a little hard to follow, but it did make me want to watch Heart Eight really, really, really bad. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's ridiculous. Pecan Pie by Michelle Gondry. This one's like a minute and a half, and it's it's Jim Carrey driving around in a car. That's basically like a bed, like it's like a like a bed car type weird thing, <laughs> and he's doing like an Elvis impression. He's just going a pecan pie, pecan pie, pecan pie, and then okay. like he basically pulls into a gas station and it like fixes his car, and then he drives away. And the whole time he's just going a pecan pie, a pecan pie, pecan pie, and it's like what the fuck is this? So I appreciate how stupid and weird this is. Um, That's cool. And, yeah, and Michelle Gondry is the guy who directed Eternal Sunshine, so... Yes. I don't know. It just feels like one of those movies where the directors were just like... They were on set one day, and they were like, okay, let's just make something funny, like, just real quick. Um, yeah. Another honorable mention, I forgot to put it on the actual list here, but it's Goldman versus Silverman. I think that's what it's called, but it's the Safdie Brothers um, short film that they did when they were... I think they did it on the set of... Uncut Gems with Adam oh. Sandler. Yeah, it's a really weird one. It's like those guys in like New York City who, who like paint themselves gold and do like the robot, like those guys. It was like two of those guys who get into like an argument basically, and they're played by Benny Safdie and Adam Sandler. It's a really funny one. So I need to find that. <clears throat> oh yeah, it's on YouTube. So check that one out. Um, next we have Miracle of Flight and Storytime by Terry Gilliam. Really funny. Like, these ones are so, so, so funny. The Monty Python, you know, type humor. It really works well here. And I don't know. Terry Gilliam went on to do some really good stuff. Like, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Brazil, 12 Monkeys. Tons of stuff. So, I love seeing his early stuff. Because he, he's really talented. I really love his stuff. Um, Rated R for Nudity by Denis Villeneuve. This one's kind of weird, kind of different. But, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um... Eight by Stephen Daldry <clears throat> and Yellowbird by Tom Hooper. I'll put those ones together because they're both about young boys, you know, absent father for one reason or another. And in eight, he's hyper fixated on um, soccer and on Yellowbird. Him and his friends decide to make a kite. Hmm. Um, Stephen Daldry went on to direct. I think he directed. Did he direct the Queen? Well, he directed Billy Elliot and the Hours. And um, Tom Hooper, he directed The King's Speech, Les Miserables, yeah. and Cats. Yes. <laughs> he does. He tries to make musicals hyper-realistic now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Stephen Daldry did not do The Queen. But anyway, um, two both really good movies. Definitely check those both out. <clears throat> we got Luxo Jr. by John Lasseter, the guy who directed Toy Story. Really cute. Mm -hmm. um, Saw by James Wan. The original short film that's really cool these three um this last three i really wanted on my list this is john by the duplass brothers basically a seven minute scene about how a guy can't figure out how to properly record his answering machine <laughs> message <laughs> like it's really funny it's mark duplass and he's just <clears throat> yeah he basically breaks down like he basically he starts crying because he can't <laughs> get the fucking message right and i'm like hey man i've been there yeah, why is that um, so relatable to, like, message record anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because he's trying it in so many different ways. He's like, this is John. 
I'm not here. <laughs> and he's like, that's terrible. Why would you ever say it like that? Um, Locks by Ryan Coogler. Really, really good one. This one was really sweet. Really enjoyed this one. Really wanted it on the list. And it just made, missed the cut. And last but certainly not least, this one is like number 11. Um, it could even be swapped out for number 10 in some cases. But mm. um, I chose to leave it off the 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 list for a reason um and i'll get into that later not to spoil anything but two cars one night by taika Waititi. it's very very good um highly recommend you check it out it should have won the oscar in my opinion i didn't see what it lost the oscar to it should have won the oscar for best shorts so yeah it was really good yeah anyway great yeah i i think i think that long ass honorable mention proves that we will be returning to the short films topic because I, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be that uh, entrancing. But yeah, now on to the main list. Oh, yeah. My number 10 is a Polish short film by Krzysztof Kieślowski. Um, it's it's basically translates to streetcar. Um, and I included on this list because I kind of wanted to include... Um, Christoph's other work he did a 10-part sort of mini series in the 80s that were kind of like meditations on the morals of the Ten Commandments but they're like really dark and the the religious aspects are more of a um I don't know they're, they're not overt it's kind of buried deep in there oh, um yeah. but I'm not sure if I could have counted that because they they were kind of like a television thing like each episode was a different topic but they were sort of short films anyways mm. i went with this one the the streetcar because it kind of felt like um it felt like a thing about a missed opportunity basically like a young man gets on a streetcar sees a woman and they kind of like have some brief eye contact and like maybe there's a connection but then he gets <laughs> off and he kind of looks at the streetcar for a second and then chases after it. And that's the end. It's really short and kind of cute and yeah, speaks to that missed opportunity thing. Why does that sound like my entire life leading up to like before <laughs> I met my girlfriend? Like, why does that sound like <laughs> just me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's oh, like man. a relatable a relatable yeah. thing. And it's so short and concise. So. It oh, it made the the ten and also check out yeah. uh, Kishlovsky's other work because he's done a bunch of international movies. He did the Three Colors trilogy, which um, oh yeah, the, yeah, the blue, white, and red, those ones, yeah, and they're With all Julie Delpy, right? Yes, and they're all based on like one of the morals of of France's flag or something like that. Really oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I I've seen those. They're on my list on Netflix. I gotta check those ones out. Yeah, yeah. they're good, and this is. Um, I don't know. I think maybe this is more related to his film Blind Chance, which was also about sort of like just that, like blind luck, right? Wow. Um, so yeah, really cool. And it's, it's cool to see he started, how simple he started and how his stuff kind of gets really cerebral and moral and meditative. Man, Greg dropping the fucking knowledge. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, number nine, we're going to the zoo by Josh Safdie. Love it. Yeah. Did you see this one? I did not. Um, I just love the Safety brothers. I mean, everyone knows how I feel about Uncut Gems and and Good Time. And yeah, I just love the Safety brothers. So yeah, this is a shame the- I didn't get to this one. But yeah, no, I, I need to check it out. This was the only one of their one of the brothers short films that I saw. Mm. Um, but I liked it quite a bit. It's kind of like um, 
kind of a romantic look at picking up a hitchhiker. Like, nothing goes wrong, really. And the hitchhiker just, like, a really cool dude. And he kind of gets them into some shenanigans. But in in the end, you kind of know, like, everything's safe and it's fun. And, yeah, it's got kind of a weird punchline. Um, so yeah, it narrowly made the list. I don't think it was like the best. They've definitely done way better work. And this also, this didn't feel like a Safdie Brothers movie because I'm so used to the Safdie Brothers making me really tense and anxious. And this was like the complete opposite. It's like, oh wow, this is, is a, this should be a tense situation. And I feel very safe. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I love though that they're doing like the opposite of what they're known for doing. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool because it's like it didn't put a knot in your stomach. It probably made you feel better in a way. And I think that's really interesting. So, yeah. Maybe you want to pick up a hitchhiker. Uh, imagine that after they released the movie they get like a lawsuit it's like you made it you seem like picking up a hitchhiker was gonna be fun all right he stole my car (laughs) (laughs) he assaulted me my god yeah no that's more realistic probably but there's there's at least one good one out there and he's in this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah my number eight is the next floor by denny villeneuve um oh man amazing it's it's kind of like a high concept version of Marie Antoinette, right? Like it's it's sort of like these rich people just keep eating and eating and everything's crumbling around them. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> like they Literally. keep falling through the floor and their yeah. servants have to like go down the steps and go to the next floor and keep serving them. It's yeah. just like really funny and thoughtful and weird. Yeah, I love the main guy, the creepy guy who keeps staring at the camera. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Whoa, this is intense." I showed my girlfriend that one last night and I was like, yeah, this is what I'm into. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> she was like, "Okay, all right." That was that was interesting. <laughs> I liked it. I liked. I it liked a lot. it a lot. Yeah. Also, very probably one of the more ambitious short films I've seen. Yeah. It might just be because it's one of the most recent ones. So, like mm-hmm. those kinds of effects maybe weren't very hard to pull off, but yeah. still really ambitious. Yeah, it's also interesting. I think I think he made a few movies before that one. Like, not I don't think he made anything like huge mm-hmm. before that. But he, um, Denis Villeneuve, I think he probably was able to get his hands on maybe a little bit of a bigger budget with that yeah. one, which is which is nice because he um, he did a really really good job with it. Like, holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Um, number seven for me, Electronic Labyrinth, THX 1138 4EB by George Lucas. Um, thank God he shortened the title. This, this obviously went on to be <laughs> THX 1138. Yeah, um, thank I, God. Oh I actually God. haven't gotten through all of the full movie, but I really enjoyed the short film. It was mm. kind of like a strange futuristic found footage experience almost because he's using all of wow. these like security camera effects and, there's this very bleak world that kind of just looks like a parking lot but the way it's framed you're like wow this is the concrete future so i don't know it was cool yeah no i gotta check that one out um the short and the feature yeah it's good i i want to give the feature another chance i was probably too young when i watched it because i got bored but this was like (laughs) it was like really tense and sterile like you got this feeling of there's no emotion but there's this one person trying to escape that world so mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, for sure. And then number six for me, L'Opera Mouf by Agnes Varda, which is basically a series of little kind of filmed poems, it feels like, about this this one um, s- sort of poor street in France at the time. And 
Uh, on on the Criterion site, it comes with a little commentary from her, and she talks about how she was pregnant during the filming of this, and so she was kind of thinking about all these things about life, like, you know, age and hope and death, and there's all these different little title cards, and then showing the street and these very candid shots of people wandering through the market or, you know, wow. two lovers embracing and stuff like that. It's really beautiful, and yeah, this is one of the few ones that I watched a couple of times because it just kind of sticks with you, all the imagery. Yeah, man, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't get to that one. Yeah, I think this one, there's like parts of it available on YouTube, but the whole thing, which is only like 16 minutes, is on is on Criterion in beautiful quality, too. The restoration on it is fantastic. I'll get the membership. I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I might, honestly, after, you know, you're telling me about you're, we're going to the zoo and Electronic Labyrinth. I'm like, okay. All right, I'm in. <laughs> I'm you, sold. You got me. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. No, these are good choices. I love. I love that you. You got some like great directors there. Like you got like some like classy directors. You know. Um, I got like the most mainstream ones. So I'm like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> no, they're yeah. all they're all class. They're all class. Come on, I got yeah. George Lucas on there. He did the prequels, so that kind of balances That's out. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that negates Agnes Varda. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> I mean, hey, George Lucas was good. Yeah, no. Point. And and I think this short film really shows how visionary oh, yeah. he was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I know a lot of people shit on George Lucas. I do think he he's, you know, he's a good director, he's a talented guy, but you know, sometimes his ideas don't always pan out and no. I think I think in some cases I think he needs somebody to go, "George, stop it. No. Wrong." Yeah. Bad George. Bad. I think that's a good point. I think later in his career, he was so surrounded by yes men and people who are who grew up fans of Star Wars that they let him do anything without yeah. realizing that Star Wars only exists because like he didn't have control over it. Other people yeah. were there making big decisions. Yeah, I thought I heard something like that. Like he wanted to do something. I thought Harrison Ford was like, no, that's stupid. Can we not do that? And then he was like, okay. And I mean, then they didn't do it. Even know? just the final film, like the only Oscar it won was for editing and it was edited by his wife. Like apparently the mess with the, the movie was a total mess before she got her hands on it and actually made it like a coherent yeah. movie. So right? it kind of shows like he's got good ideas and he's ambitious, but yeah. someone's got to rein him in a little. Someone's got to rein him in a little. Wasn't he divorced with his wife when the prequels came out? Yeah. Or something like that. Well, that explains it. That makes um, so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I can see I can see that happening <laughs> like his him being like I don't need you I can make the prequels on my own he leaves his <laughs> wife and then he makes the prequels and he's like I really shouldn't have left my fucking wife my god <laughs> terrible 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 bad god damn yeah no I gotta check these out though these these make me want to watch these this is such an inspiring like list we've done like, this I know is the most inspiring episode we've done so far um my number 10 spot is Fortune Cookie by Darren Aronofsky. Um, I've actually never seen any movie directed by Darren Aronofsky, surprisingly. Really? No Black Swan? No Black Swan. Not The Wrestler. I haven't seen Pie. I haven't seen Requiem for a Dream. Okay. Haven't seen... Yeah, I know, right? Like, where have I been? Requiem's um, a hard a hard watch, I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's not like a... It's like the Lars von Trier thing where it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. you're not going to... You're, not, you're never going to do a, a Aronofsky binge, you know? <laughs> you're 
Because why would you? Why would you ever want to sit down and be like, you know, like I, I'm looking at his movies right now. I feel like you could watch maybe Noah and then one other thing. Because I don't, I feel like Noah isn't like disturbing. No, you know? that's not like the typical Aronofsky. No, but like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to watch Pi and then Requiem for a Dream and then Black Swan and then Mother. Like, I'm never going to do that. I'll, I'll do a Jet Apatow marathon, but I will never do a Darren Aronofsky marathon. Yeah, if we ever do Aronofsky, that'll be one we'll have to tackle one movie at a time. Because exactly. Right? I would be fine if I never watched Requiem for a Dream again. And it's a beautiful, like, it's it's one of the best films, but I never want to see it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um it's one of those movies where you're like okay i get it i I won't do drugs like i I won't i won't do it i I, I promise i promise um i will say though this fortune cookie movie um it's kind of weird that darren aronofsky made it because this is not really disturbing it's kind of like a weird comedy in a way like it's just a very bizarre kind of comedy about like a salesman who he isn't doing well, and he starts realizing that he has a, a lucky charm with, like, fortune cookies. So mm. every time, like, when he starts getting, like, a fortune cookie and, like, breaking it open before, like, big deals, he gets big deals and whatnot. And then that his life starts to go in, a, in an opposite direction. And there's some, like, rivalry, like, some macho rivalry. And it was interesting watching this movie because I was looking at the two main characters and I was like, I could see these two main characters being played by, like, Rick Moranis and Bill Murray. Like, okay. I can see them. I can see them playing it. So I almost wonder if he was inspired by that type of humor growing up and if he was like, hey, like, I really want to, like, make something like that. Because that's interesting to me that this guy who made Pie and Requiem for a Dream wrote a movie that could have easily starred rick moranis and bill murray in the early 90s like i could have easily seen that so wow yeah and even like the guy like because they're like two salesmen and one's not doing very well one's kind of shy one's kind of timid rick moranis and then the other guy <laughs> is overbearing rubs it in his face and is basically like ha, 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 ha. oh ha, ha. and like he laughs at him bill murray basically yeah. that's who i see the guy doing it like he looks slightly like Bill Murray, and he, he sounds a little bit like him. So I, I really wonder if he was a big fan of Bill Murray. So that's something that I find interesting. Um, that makes me wonder what happened in Darren Aronofsky's life that made him go from, I'm going to make a, a quirky comedy, Bill Murray style, to <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> oh, man. I, that was like his, I'm looking at his Wikipedia. So Fortune Cookie was his second short film, and he made like four. So I wonder okay. what happened on the set of those third and fourth <laughs> short films. Because, um, I don't know. Maybe something happened. Maybe he met Bill Murray and didn't have a good experience with him. Because <laughs> yikes! Um, it's interesting, though, right? Like, that is to cool. Look back and see like this this idea for a comedy. Um, and it's also it's a weird movie, but it's also this is, is maybe the one that's the most inspiring to me because it just seems like two very kind of different opposing ideas and they're put together to make like a really interesting comedy. And that's what made me kind of go like, Oh, okay. Like, I feel like I could maybe do that. Like you just get two good ideas, mm -hmm. just kind of put them together and there you go. You have something to just go with it. So that's something I found interesting. Um, 
And you can definitely see the Aronofsky stuff going on. There's some weird shit in this movie, so okay. it's not totally like odd, but yeah, no. Definitely well, check this one out. I'm really curious now. Uh number nine is Doodlebug by Christopher Nolan. Just really short. Um Yeah. If you can't see Tenet in theaters, just watch Doodlebug about 87 <laughs> times. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> this one was really interesting. I like this one. Um, it narrowly yeah. made my list. It, 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 yeah. it was so close because it was yeah. fun. And I'm not even that big of a Nolan guy, but this this was like the mm-hmm. weirdest Nolan thing I've seen probably. Yeah, I'm not a huge Nolan fan either. It's funny because I feel like the movies I like by Nolan are the ones that people don't like as much. Like, I love Inception, and I love The Prestige, and I love Memento. Those are probably, like, my, like, three favorites. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. I think I like Batman Begins more than The Dark Knight. Okay. Which is is interesting. I can see that. Yeah. I, I, I And I'm not, like... Heath Ledger is fucking incredible as the Joker. It has nothing to do with that, though. It's about the movie that he's in. That's the thing, yeah. That's, yeah. So, like, I can, like, I appreciate Heath Ledger 100%. I think he's probably the best Joker ever. Um, he, he's, he's easily top three, you know. The yeah. only people he's really rivaling with are, like, um, Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson, maybe. Maybe Joaquin, but that's about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think he's better than Nicholson, to be completely honest. Anyway, um, I'm only saying that just to get the the, the haters off my back. Um, but like, <laughs> I got I'm in your love back, with, you're right. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I'm in love with Insomnia, which not a lot of people talk about. That's the one he did with Pacino and Robin Williams, and I'm in love with that movie. And yeah, not a lot of people talk about that one. So... I don't know. Like, I kind of like the stuff that he does that's a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is, this one's interesting. I like this one. And also because, like, it is, it is fucking weird, but it's kind of creepy and it kind of made my skin crawl a little bit. So, yeah. I like this. I like the black and white movies that he did too. I like Following as well. That was a pretty good one. Yes. Um, and his very first one. And that was pretty, like, okay, like, that's, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, no, definitely check this one out. It's like three minutes long. So. Yeah, it definitely doesn't didn't feel like that much of a Nolan movie. Like other than maybe yeah. like there's a bit of a twist, but it's not like Nolan usually likes to play with time and mysteries and stuff like that. And, yeah, and, and memories and the mind. But this was kind of more just focused in on the mind part and yeah. Also not trying to be like in your face. Like look how traditional and smart this is. It's just kind of like a silly <laughs> like you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was very different, and I also like movies where there's no dialogue. Like, Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed that, too. Speaking of no dialogue, well, not no dialogue, but there's very, very little dialogue. Yeah, I I think only the title is spoken. Right, right. It's Next Floor by Denis Villeneuve, which which was also on Greg's list. Um, In the exact same spot, too, which I find crazy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, I love this. I love this short film. I think it's I think it's one of his best and I just really like it. I think it's very interesting. I just like the idea of like this dinner that keeps falling through the floor and like you got kind of like a Marie Antoinette vibe from it where they keep eating and everything is crumbling around them. The funny thing is like I was trying to think of like what does this movie mean, you know? And and the thing is I like I like extracting kind of like meanings from these short films because you can kind of create something, but they're all ambiguous to a to a thing where it's like you can really make up whatever you want. Yeah, you know. You know? And I hate I hate when people are like, 
oh, well, it means this, so it means that, and that's it. I'm like, well, that kind of is fucking stupid, because I mean, like... This isn't math, right? Like, there's no one math. right answer. Yeah, like, you you remember that that music video with um, that Sia did, Elastic Heart, that Shia LaBeouf was in? Do you, you ever see that one? I don't think I saw that, no. Yeah, I remember it had a, it had a meaning to it, and... I saw it and I didn't know what the meaning was. So I had my own interpretation of what it meant. And then someone told me like what it actually meant. And it kind of ruined it for me because I'm like, all right, well, I guess I was wrong. And it's just like, I I don't know. I think it's kind of bullshit because it's like, I don't know. Like they're not super like basically it's about like her dad and something like that who was like an alcoholic or something like that. But I saw it as like kind of like a love story in a way. Like I saw it as kind of a love story. And maybe that's because the news was talking about the age difference between Shia LaBeouf and this girl. But anyway, mm-hmm. I I saw it differently than everybody else did. And then when people are like, no, that's that's incorrect, it kind of ticked me off because I'm like, well, I mean, it's also it, – it's not saying explicitly in the video, this means this, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. The thing I like is that you can kind of extract meanings from this. Basically – you saw this next floor as Marie Antoinette. I saw it as the food service industry. Oh. <laughs> because this very self-centered table of people that keep falling through the floor and the servants all have to try and remain one step ahead and be like, okay, like we have to keep serving these people no matter what. So they keep running down the stairs to go and wow. talk to these people. That's how I saw it. And it's kind of like... When I make that interpretation, I'm half joking. But then again, you know, I, I worked in food service for a month and I fucking hated it. So I'm like, yeah, I can I can I can appreciate this. <laughs> you make a good point because there's all these really close up shots of how, the food and it's kind of like surreal and disgusting looking like you can't yeah. tell what animal that is or like what body yeah. part that is. It's like, is that a brain? Is that a liver? Why is there a rhino? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like you don't know what your food is, which is also an aspect of certain, you know, fast food industries. Exactly. Yeah. So hmm. I would definitely, yeah, that's kind of how I saw it, but that's what I like about these is that you can see them different ways, which I think is really cool. So yeah, there's a lot of room to interpret. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I enjoyed about this. So I don't know. I like that we had different interpretations on the same thing because it's like, okay, like I can I can see where you're coming from and you can see where I'm coming from. So yeah, yeah, I do. I I do love your interpretation, though, of uh, Marie Antoinette, though. I think it's it's very true because they the floors literally are crumbling around them while they're just eating and eating and eating. So yeah, yeah. Uh, number seven is Pioneer by David Lowry. Um, David Lowry, he did The Old Man and the Gun and uh, A Ghost Story with Casey Affleck. Ooh. Um, yeah, have you seen that one? Yes, that was really cool. That's a really cool one. That's a movie that's really different. And I remember I remember crying during that movie, and I don't know why. Like, I remember just in the middle of the movie, I just started crying, and I was like, I don't know exactly why I'm crying, but I am. It's um, so moody and beautiful. Like, I, I'm just getting yeah. chills thinking about it again. Right? This one is is different because it's it's literally just a dad telling his son a bedtime story and telling him, like, an epic bedtime story. And the thing is, like, I was watching it, and the story is, like, you know, he was in the war, and... He, like, got shot, and then he met the kid's mother, and then, like, they had a baby, and the kid went missing for, like, years and years and years, and, like, a century went by. So it's, like, a big epic story where you're, like, 
did this actually happen? Like, what kind of universe is it in? But then after a while, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what if the story that he's telling is bullshit or if it's totally true because it still feels magical. And mm. it's interesting that he makes it feel magical because quite literally, this is a dad telling his son a story. Like, that's all it is. They they don't leave the bedroom. There's no flashbacks to any war or anything like that. It's just the dad talking to his son. And the fact that he makes it as magical as it is, is pretty, pretty, you know, awesome. So, yeah, it sounds powerful. Yeah. It's very powerful. So, um, yeah, no, I would definitely check this one out. And number six is Six Shooter by Martin McDonough. This one actually won the Oscar for Best Live Action Short Film um, when it came out. I think it was like 2005, 2006, mm. something like that. Um, it deserved it. This one's like a dark comedy, basically. Like a really dark comedy. Brendan Gleeson stars in it. Um, his wife just died. He gets on the train. He meets a couple people. He meets this one douchebag who keeps, you know, talking like out of his ass the whole time and really starting to upset other people who have also lost people close to them. Um, it's just a really dark comedy. And it's just interesting to watch this because Martin McDonough, he went on to direct like In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths and uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Ebbing Missouri. He did yes. that one, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah. That's a really good one. I really love three billboards. Um so yeah, it's just interesting to see like a like a twenty five minute short that just you see the beginning of his really dark humor. Mm. Um, and yeah, no, I just I I don't even want to say that much about this one. I just think people should just go watch it. It's all on YouTube, so go check it out. I'm yeah. honestly just going to be referencing like your list and the things I missed for the next few days and catching up because <laughs> there was so much good stuff. Oh yeah, no, same because I mean like I love that my list is basically what you didn't get to, and your list is what I didn't get to. <laughs> yeah, there's actually very little overlap, which makes yeah. sense, I guess, because there's so much. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Um, yeah. All right. On to my five through two. My number five is a Martin Scorsese short, um, What's a Nice Girl Like You Doing in a Place Like This? And mm. it's it's kind of like really funny and dark and you can see some themes that Scorsese eventually goes back to, especially for Taxi Driver, but in more of a comedic way. Like it's about this guy who is obsessive. First, he's obsessed with a painting and then he's obsessed with a girl who comes to a party at his house and then he gets obsessed <laughs> with a painting that she paints again. But it's all <laughs> done in like this cheeky sense of humor and style it's really comedic. Like my favorite moment in this that I will think of all the time, like he keeps, he keeps reassuring. He's like narrating the the story and his obsession. And he keeps reassuring the audience. Like I am a writer, of course. And one of the times where he goes, I am a writer, of course, it shows him at his typewriter and he just types out help. <laughs> like, it, just, <laughs> it just made me laugh. I, I found that weirdly relatable. Oh my um, God. How long is that short? Is it like, I want to say it's like 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Okay. Yeah, and there's just a, a lot of weird, surreal kind of photographic effects and stuff. Yeah. And I can kind of see, like, Scorsese's montages in it. I can see the idea of, like, an obsessive young man, but instead of it being, like, a dangerous thing, like in uh, Taxi Driver, it's more of just, like, oh, he's he's quirky and weird, and he probably <laughs> needs some therapy. Yeah. 
I love that though, because Taxi Driver is one of like my all time favorite movies. So mm-hmm. I definitely got to check that out then, because it sounds like it's got some similarities to it. Yeah, um, I I think so. I might a be more reaching. cheeky, fun version of it. You know. Yeah, um, it made me laugh a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love <laughs> I love Taxi Driver when he was making Taxi Driver. He was just like. Let's make what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this, but he's a killer. It's like, whoa. (laughs) But he needs serious help. (laughs) And nobody gives it to him. Yeah. (laughs) Let's combine what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this with Joker. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like that. So Basically, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that one. I'll probably be going back to it. I'm going to go back to all of Scorsese's shorts probably because there's a bunch. Except the big shave. That one I've seen enough times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a bunch uh, available oh, yeah. out there. And they're all really stylish and cool. And I can... I mean, he's he is a filmmaker who it seems from the get-go was really powerful. So it's impressive. Yeah. Um, my number four, Creep the fucking hell out of me the alphabet by david lynch i I never thought the alphabet would be so terrifying or that three minutes could feel so frightening because yeah i was deeply uncomfortable by this one i don't know what the hell it means it's just gross and weird and creepy and yeah i i can't get it out of my head so it belongs on the list holy shit yeah, I gotta check that one out. Yeah, that one is on YouTube. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like three minutes of like, I don't know, it's kind of like part animation, part surreal photography, part part filmed, like moving video, and everything about it just feels like a twisted fever dream. That's interesting. I, I, I haven't really gotten into his shorts. I really like his movies. I love... Um... I love Inland Empire. Like, I don't know what it is. I fucking love Inland Empire. And it's like three hours long. So I know it's not everybody's, you know, go-to David Lynch movie. It's not mine either. I've seen it once. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again. Probably will. um, Because I'm insane. But yeah, no, I... I If I can watch three hours of David Lynch, I'll definitely check out three minutes. Um, That's the thing. Yeah. Even though it's like so frightening and affecting, it's also kind of more accessible i think than than a david lynch movie because you need to be in a (laughs) certain kind of mood or that that's just like your cup of tea which is is totally awesome like i i I get that but (laughs) i'm definitely going to be picking through his short films for the next while now because i like i like that style i like when a movie makes me feel uncomfortable but Mm -hmm. i would also prefer that to only last like max a half hour (laughs) yeah no for sure um yeah, it, it's also weird because Inland Empire was like his like magnum opus kind of mm-hmm. thing, and that was the first movie of his that I saw. Um, wow, not not a great. Well, I saw Blue Velvet when I was younger, but like I didn't really. I don't think I really got it. So I was like, okay, like Inland Empire is like my official start, and people said like end with that movie, do not lead with it, end with it, right? And I was like, I'm gonna lead with it. I'm gonna yeah. fucking start with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna break the ice. That one fucked with my head for like three days. So um, <laughs> I'm very I'm very excited to to check out the alphabet. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take your recommendation. And check that one out. It's weird. It's weird fun. <laughs> um, and then my number three is My Josephine by Barry Jenkins. This is a really... It, it's kind of set um, in post-9-11 America, and it follows like an Arab-American 
family-run business, and Ooh. and they wash American flags for free. Mm. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm entirely certain what it's about, but the filmmaking is immediately really strong, and yeah. it's got that Barry Jenkins style right off the bat, where it's like these intimate close-ups with a fuzzy background that kind of speak volumes about all this shit a person's been through. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting snapshot for that time. Cause I think it came out in 2003. So, you know, I mean, obviously nine 11 changed America irreparably, but Oh yeah. At that time, especially it's kind of like, what the fuck do you do about this? And so this is a perspective mm-hmm. that you don't really see is like the, the Arab American who was living there. And now I don't know, probably feels very much like there's a target on their back. But it is also just like a small American business. So I don't know. Exactly, yeah. No, that's interesting. You make an interesting point, too, about saying, like, you don't know exactly what it's about. But, like, I don't know. That's that's like like we said earlier, there's so much to take away from these short films that that's what I like about them is that, you know, you never really know exactly what they're about some of the times. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's an interesting way to look at it, like the post 9-11 ideas. Because, I mean, yeah, like, that's an interesting... Um, perspective. I'm ashamed, actually, I haven't seen this one because that's definitely a perspective I think needs to be told. You know, that's a that's a perspective that I think needs to be recognized. So, yeah, I think I think that's why I really put it on my list because it kind of gave me a perspective in a world that it's hard for me to actually see from. It's essentially impossible for me to see from that perspective. And yeah, it it was so it was so strong. like watching it i felt really strongly and felt absorbed in that mood and that that feeling so really well done for for a short film and you can tell it's one of those where you're like okay this is this is a filmmaker who's gonna do big things yeah no 100 percent. how long is this one like eight minutes something like that i think so it's less than 10 minutes i want to say oh okay i just found it here so um i'm gonna watch that after yeah Yeah, it's really sounds great yeah um, my number two is, I mean, it was going to be my number one until just last night. It was, I've, oh, I've loved okay. this one for a long time. I feel like I saw it around the time it came out, uh, two cars, one night by Taika Waititi. This might've been yeah. the first Waititi thing that ended up on my radar and it's got everything I love about Waititi's work. It's like very adult, serious topics from a child's lens treated yeah. with a lot of humor but yeah. there's like this undercurrent of sorrow and like something is missing and like uh, that I don't know mm-hmm. I I just love it it's so funny too yeah it's interesting because I've seen um I've only seen like a couple of his movies I uh, I haven't seen the ones that he's done with like kids perspectives though as much like I haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People I've seen What We Do in the Shadows mm-hmm. I've seen Thor Ragnarok and I've seen uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. So it's interesting to see this after watching Jojo Rabbit because I'm like, oh wow, like you've grown so much as a filmmaker. Like you've you've incorporated so many other themes into and and maintained this idea that you you do so well. So yeah. that's what I love about his work. This was going to be on my list. This is the only reason I left it off is because it was on your list and I thought, mm, you know what, one of us is talking about it. I might as well just, you know, Get an out, get fortune cookie on here or something like that. So, yeah, some more variety. Some more variety. So, but that's the only reason I left it off. I really like this one too, and I think it's a great choice for number two. Yeah, I think Taika is definitely one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. I I always put on Hunt for the Wilder People when I'm in any kind of mood. Like, 
I'm just, I'm like, I need something that will make yeah. me feel good, but also express sort of a sadness with a bunch of, yeah. with a lot of humor. So, yeah, and that's, sure. that's what this short film does too. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like this one. This was a good one. And, uh, it's one I'll keep going back to. I remember seeing this in high school and being like, you know, eh, but seeing it now, I'm like, oh, I can appreciate this a lot more. So I feel like I've grown to love it. Um, so yeah, it's that. really good. Yeah, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the um of the what do you call it? of a couple of my honorable mentions, 8 by Stephen Daltrey and Yellow Bird by Tom Hooper which deal right. with like younger kids kind of going through some shit. Um That's true. Yeah, that that one kind of um reminded me of that one. So, yeah, no, definitely check those ones out, but yeah, no, this is a really good one. Um Alrighty, my number five is Bottle Rocket by Wes Anderson. Um, this later became a whole movie. This was starring Owen and Luke Wilson. Um, Damn, I wish I got to that one. Yeah, this is a good one. I actually really like this a lot because um, it's really funny. Like, it's really, really funny. And I always forget how funny Owen Wilson is. Like, I always kind of underestimate. Like, I, we all make the jokes where he's like, wow. Wow. wow, you you got us a job at Google. Wow, wow, you know? and all the stuff he's done with uh, with Vince Vaughn. You're like, okay, like, yeah, because because when he works with Vince Vaughn, I mean, Vince Vaughn's obviously the louder of the two of them. You know, he's like, hey, Daddy, what's going on? Like, he's you know, he's obviously the one who's more. You know, you, your eyes kind of kind of pull to him, and I feel like Owen Wilson's always kind of playing the straight man. Yeah. But it was nice to see him in this, because he... Luke Wilson is kind of playing the straight man, and Owen Wilson's more of the, uh... You know, the the, the, the funny one. Like, the the guy who's a little off. Hmm. Um, off kilter, I would say. Not off. Like, he's not, like, you know, a wacko or anything, but, like, he's just... He's, he's more the funny guy. Right. Um, which I love, because he's so funny in this movie, and... It's it's so cool because it's about a robbery and it does the Reservoir Dogs thing where you don't see the robbery, mm. um, but it's it's just really funny. I just I really love this one and yeah, it's very short. It's like thirteen minutes, so I definitely check it out, okay. especially if you're a Wes Anderson fan. Um, it's not quite like a Wes Anderson movie, like in terms of like the style. It doesn't feel like you know like um, what's the word like parallel? Or what, what what's the word like? Um, we're, we're, symmetrical uh, symmetrical that's the word yeah doesn't look symmetrical but like hmm. the style of humor is definitely there like the kind of like quirky kind of humor it's it's the beginning of it so that's right. what i found interesting i mean it takes it takes a budget definitely to have a perfectly symmetrical miniature and stuff like exactly. that so w- without that budget <laughs> it's cool to see that there's still something to his style other than that right right yeah that's what I that's what I love. This top five, I absolutely love these. Oh my god. Um Vincent is my number four for uh the Tim Burton one. Really great animation. I really love this one. Um I think this is my only animation on this list, right? Yeah. Yeah, it. I think so. Yeah, it's a really good one. Like I just I love this one. Like the over dramatic kid. Um, <laughs> he basically like he thinks he's he's Vincent Price, which yeah. I think is so funny, and I love that this is narrated by Vincent Price. Too. Yes, um, this is really cute and really dark at the same time in a way, which yeah. I find really interesting. And I think he made this before Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right? I th- I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. This is just 
it's very impressive because it makes me want to like go back to Tim Burton's stuff and like watch more of his stuff. We talked about Ed Wood in our first episode, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, like I just want to go back. I want to watch Ed Wood. I want to watch Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Batman, yeah, Sweeney Todd. Like he's made so many good movies, and I, I think he's a little underappreciated now. I mean, for for a reason because he has made so many not good movies, <laughs> but. But yeah, it, it is it is cool to go back and see like oh like he's actually really good. Yeah, that w- there there's a lot of hints in Vincent of later like the the way he kind of shapes people and their faces mm-hmm. in in animation. Even some of the monsters, like his zombie dog in that short film, looks <laughs> like the the kind of claymation snake monster thing in Beetlejuice, right? Like. Yeah. There's all these parallels design wise, and he has such a clear vision for a world that, yeah. yeah, it just oozes style and mood. Yeah. I also just love that there's like a reference to Edgar Allan Poe in this. And like yep. the whole thing kind of feels like an Edgar Allan Poe story or like poem because yes. it all rhymes, you know? 100%. Um, feels like the Raven, but it's a melodramatic goth little boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah they what do they say like it's like he was banished to the tower of gloom and he walked all the way up to his room and it's like it's not that serious vincent like you got sent to your room he makes it sound like he's been put in prison for the rest of his life yeah and he's like i've been here too long like (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny it's the thing is too i'm like wait did things actually go wrong and i'm like no he's like he's like nine (laughs) relax there's nothing wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. You know what I wish Tim Burton directed? I wish he directed um, that movie, James and the Giant Peach. I feel like he would have done a good job with that. Yeah, I'm not. I thought that was him this whole time. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just remember really not enjoying it, um, which was disappointing because I remember loving the book. But no, it was Henry Selleck. Okay. Wow. Well, today Whoever. I learned. Yeah, right? He's oh trying God. to do Tim Burton a little. He's trying, yeah. Also, this guy, Henry Selleck, he's doing an upcoming stop-motion film, Wendell and Wild, starring Key and Peele. What? Yeah, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, you know what? You know why this guy reminds you of Tim Burton? Because he directed The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. That's why. That the- makes so much sense. There's overlap there. There is overlap. That makes sense, honestly, because, you know, he's basically just doing Tim Burton's style. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> hey, I can do it, too. Like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I can do gangly goth animated things. <laughs> oh, man. Number three, you had the Safdie Brothers, um, We're Going to the Zoo. Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think it was just Josh Safdie. Yeah. Um, but you got a Safdie in there. There's a, there's, um, I got a half Safdie. You got a half Safdie. A half Um. um number three is the black balloon by the safety brothers which i love i love this one um there was this movie years ago i heard about called 20 bucks where it's like basically about like a 20 dollar bill that just kind of floats through town and it goes into people's lives and you you see like a little section of their lives for a second Mm. um and that's basically what this movie is but it's a black balloon um and it's really it's really interesting like it starts off with a guy holding a bunch of balloons. He lets them all go by accident. Um, and there's a black balloon and it like focuses on that for like, I don't know how long, like a day or two. 
Um, but it's really interesting that the main character in this movie is a fucking balloon. <laughs> wow. And it's like floating through town. I was saying that like Tristan, I was like, how the hell did they direct a balloon? You know? Yeah, that's true. Like what year was this too? You couldn't, was it, was it like pre-drone technology? Cause, <laughs> um, it was like, uh, I mean, I think it was maybe like 2012 or something. Okay. Like that. So they probably had a drone. They probably had a drone or something like that, but it was really interesting. It's like, still tough. They, yeah, because a balloon is like floating around at like the level, um, like uh, of like people level, you know. That, okay, that makes any sense. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's floating around like within like the crowd of people in New York. So like you're like okay, um, and it's so funny because there are a couple people in this movie where I'm like. That's Howard Ratner. Like that's Howard Rat. That's pre Howard Ratner. Howard Ratner. Wow. Um, just this in like the personality of the people, which I just find really funny because I'm like, you know, they've been they wanted to get that movie made for about ten years. So when you see something from like 2012, I'm like, yeah, no, I can see a little hint of like the Howard Ratner in there because they they that's been on their radar for so long. Mm. Um. And the thing is, this is just, it just shows um, in this short film how the Safdie brothers make movies because I was listening to the What the Fuck podcast with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who has a a smaller role in the movie Good Time. Yeah. And Mark Maron was saying like, oh, like you feel like you don't really know who that woman is, but like you also kind of do. Like you're only with her for maybe like five minutes tops, but like. You feel like you know who she is. And the Safdie brothers, what they do is they give you a backstory. They give you like a 10-page backstory when you work with them. They give you this huge backstory. I've heard Adina Menzel say the same thing about working on Uncut Gems. Um, That's interesting. And you can see that in this movie because it just this balloon just goes into people's lives. And if you feel like you know who they are and what the relationship is, like right. it, it goes to this one girl who's with like her her mom and her stepdad or her mom's boyfriend and her mom and her boyfriend keep making out. And the daughter's like, stop, stop doing that. It's so fucking annoying. And you just, you just get a sense in that small scene, like of who these people are. Like yeah. you just totally get it. And I'm like, they are so good with working with actors. Um, and then also the style is just fantastic. So, yeah. Huh. Um, that, that yeah. That's something that has come up now. The second episode in a row where like how essential it is to have character backstories in right. terms of communicating more to the audience without showing it all without showing all your cards yeah. like the people making it know what's going on but the mm. viewers just get the sense like there's more to this than you can see exactly yeah and i find like when you talk to a real person you don't know everything but sometimes you kind of can see them a little bit like you kind of know you kind of get a sense of like mm-hmm. who the person is like you can get it you can get like a sixth sense almost of like is if this person is like a bad person or if this person is good like sometimes you talk to somebody and you're like you know you're not saying it and you're not really showing it but i can tell you're a little yeah your intentions not, aren't pure <laughs> aren't pure like i can tell that you're 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 a jerk in some way shape or form right um, maybe i just judge people i don't know but that <laughs> but, but i've had that experience where like i just had like a sense of like this person isn't all that they say they are and with with a movie like uncut gems i mean i feel like that's the case with a lot of the characters because a lot of the characters in that movie are sleaze bags you know mm-hmm. so it's interesting to kind of see that 
done in all their movies and they even see it in like the short films even though you're seeing these characters for like two seconds you know that they're like fully fleshed out fully realized and i can really appreciate that yeah um yeah that's awesome yeah number two this is a different one um it's called i'm here by spike jones have you ever seen this one i haven't is it good? I mean, it's, it's your number two. One. It's my number two. This is a weird one because it's basically Andrew Garfield stars in this. Whoa. Yeah, I love Andrew Garfield. I think he's great. He plays like a computer man. Like, it's a, it, this takes place in a society where there's there's human beings. There's computer people, like, who, who basically, like, their bodies are, like, computers. Huh. Um, it's really fucking weird. Like, it's, it, it's such a weird movie. It's pretty and ambitious for a short. Pretty ambitious, yep. And and it was made by Spike Jones, like after he's done some stuff. So, okay, like, he definitely had the money for it. Um, it was made in like the 2010s for sure. Okay. And then he's in love with this girl who's like a mannequin lady. Like it's we it's weird. They got like computer people, mannequin people, and then regular people. Um, huh. And it's a love story. This this computer guy he falls in love with a mannequin woman. And early on, you find out, like, the mannequin people and the computer people, they can't drive cars. Like, they can't, they, they're not allowed to drive cars because they will, you know, I guess if they get damaged, then they're fucked, you know? Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of spoil this a little bit, but basically, this is a, this is a love story. Mm-hmm. And throughout it, the, the girl, the mannequin, she keeps going and being reckless, and she keeps, like, basically losing parts of herself. Like, she loses her arm at one point. And Andrew Garfield's character, he takes off his arm and he gives it to her. Mm. And then there's another part where, like, she loses her leg and he gives her his leg. So then now he's on crutches and he has one arm and he's, like, hopping around. And then he later on he ends up giving her – I won't spoil it completely. Um, you should just check this out. Just check it out. It's so good. Okay. Um, um, but he he gives her so much of himself that he's basically – loses himself entirely and the ending is like hopeful but i didn't see it as hopeful i saw it as very this is a fucking toxic relationship which i liked because i think that's maybe the point Mm -hmm. is that this is a fucking tragic romantic story um Hmm. because it's this guy who really loves this girl he's a very lonely person he meets this girl he falls in love with her and he'll do anything to make her happy and to make her life easier but at this end of the day she will just keep being reckless and she doesn't give a fuck wow and she will continuously like ruin stuff and then that'll be that'll be that so that's what i found so frustrating like is, about this movie is that like you see this guy who's in love with this person constantly being generous being generous being generous being generous and her never changing her lifestyle to accommodate him so that he doesn't have to be as generous her keep continue being selfish basically right um yeah and that was it's heartbreaking it's kind of you know it's interesting it's but it's it's a really good movie and i don't know i think it speaks volumes about like how you should treat a relationship if you are in one, you know, you have to work on stuff, obviously. So yeah, it's, um, that's something that I appreciated where I was like, okay, well, you know, it makes it seem like it's a happy story at the end of it because you're seeing it from his perspective, but also his perspective, I think is naive. So, right. You know? Yeah. I love that. I like that sort of high concept ideas used to tell just a really universally human story yeah. and idea. 
That's the thing. And the thing is, too, like, he doesn't really, like, go out of his way to, like, make that known. Like, I feel like it's, like, you get it or you don't kind of thing. And I feel like most people get it because, you know, when he starts losing his fucking limbs, I'm like, my stomach's starting to turn a little bit here. Like, I'm starting to kind of feel like, oof. But I don't know. I just, I I like that he doesn't make it seem so, um, like, hey, this is exactly what I'm saying. Like, you can kind of see, like, you can kind of almost think, like, yeah, this is okay. You have to really analyze it to be like, this is fucked up. This is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. The guy's giving his fucking arms to people and not getting them back. <laughs> this might not be so romantic. <laughs> yeah. The weird computer man needs to learn his own worth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. It's yeah, a good one, though. Oh, yeah. Very powerful. Um, it made me want to watch her again. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking, too. It sounds like it has some parallels there with, like, AI oh, yeah. and emotions and what that means. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's all on YouTube, so check it out. Okay, will do. Okay, my number one is Guillermo del Toro's Geometria. Yeah. I love this. This is, this is to me, a perfect short film in that it has a great setup and like mm-hmm. kind of a, it's it's almost like a good joke where like everything comes back at the end and there, there's a punchline. It's only a few minutes. I think it's less than five minutes. I think. It, yeah, I thought it was like six minutes or something like that. So yeah. It's short. But yeah, it's basically um, about like a, a, a guy who keeps failing his geometry test <laughs> and um, to pass. He summons a demon. Um, <laughs> and at the end, you find out accidentally that. Because he's bad at geometry, the pentagon he he put around him to protect him from the demon is actually a hexagon. <laughs> and the demon can get it. So it's like... Oh, God. But the, my favorite thing about this is that it's got... It's like very 80s Italian horror movie yeah. energy. Like it's... it's it's the the lighting is completely like cyan and and magenta like very pink mm-hmm. blue there's these synthesizers kind of like bubbling up underneath the whole time and there's like yeah. hilarious latex zombie killing effects like it's it's so much fun and for 6 minutes it's it's just so tight and there's never a dull moment it's also completely dubbed in italian like those italian movies where like the the audio is always a little out of sync cuz you know they recorded yeah. the dialogue later so yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's like a love letter to Dario Argento, very clearly, and it's oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I think I saw a bit of that years ago. I, I think I saw, like, a bit of it, and I didn't... I wanted to get back to it. Um, damn. Count this as an honorable mention, even though I haven't seen it. Just because I've seen, like... <laughs> I've seen, like, two minutes of it, and there's there's something about it that's really magical and really cool. Um, and, I mean, you always get that from Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. yeah it's no, so It's so weird, too, to see, like... Del Toro's style is so refined, and I guess mm-hmm. here it is kind of messy, but even messy with Del Toro is so polished. Like, he yeah. he very clearly is someone who, from the start, if I saw this and never heard of the guy, I'd be like, I'm following this career. Like, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. And, like, obviously not perfect, and clearly, you know, leaning on another director's style, but also it's going to make me look at his later movies completely differently because i never i never knew he was so inspired by those italian horror movies and yeah i think the more i think about it that that stuff is there yeah no for sure he made some interesting movies in his career didn't he make like a horror movie called like the devil's backbone yeah or something like that oh and then he made pan's labyrinth so pan's labyrinth yeah blade 2 blade 2 yeah i actually haven't seen a ton of his stuff unfortunately um 
So I, I know this, this podcast is teaching me like, wow, I think I know about movies. I really don't. I really don't know shit. <laughs> Same. Um, There's so many. There's so many. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he's made some really interesting movies. So it's, it's cool to see this is kind of where he started. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so oh, good. I love that. Started strong. I don't, I don't know if this was his first, um, but I did see in an interview, he talked about this being like, it was rushed initially so that he could get it into a festival and he was never happy with it. And so the the version that I saw was actually he had gone back and kind of touched it up and made it the way he envisioned it. Basically, oh, just like okay. in editing and music and stuff. He didn't actually like I don't think he reshot anything. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. So That's it's cool. it, I don't know. That probably adds to it, too. Why it seems so good and polished is because he the version I saw was him, you know, going back to it l- years mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still really, really visionary and smart. And I love the punchline. Like it just, it just got me. It got me so good. Oh yeah. No, I got to check that one out. It looks really, really good. Um, it's also just really nice looking. Like I like the colors in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though it is, you know, probably not the best, you know, looking, it's kind of not, not as bad as coffee and cigarettes, but like, um, no, I think, I yeah. think it's like bold colors make up for the fact that the set is basically like like it's there's nothing there there's no budget so instead it's like all yeah. right we got we got a bright two bright ass light bulbs one's pink one's blue <laughs> that'll just paint the set that's all we need exactly, and i love that right? <laughs> yeah no i'm excited to check that one out again uh my number one is well it's also like i don't know if this is like a horror short i don't know if, if you would consider geometria like a horror kind of thing I, it's uh, horror like Evil Dead, maybe. Like, it's funny yeah. horror. Like an Evil Dead 2 kind of thing. Yeah. Like a, like a kind of comedic, yeah. This one's like a satire kind of thing, but it's not It's not like a funny satire. It's like a satire, satire. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really disturbing. Like, it's really, really, really disturbing. And it's The Strange Thing About the Johnsons by Ari Aster. Have you seen this one? No. Or heard of this one? It's about a family and the the son likes the dad a little too much um mm. like he's 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 basically like he's like sexually assaulting his father um whoa yeah this is a hard movie to talk about <laughs> because i don't know exactly how to explain it um it's about like 30 minutes long and yeah this is this is a really weird movie and it's shot really, really nice. It's in. It's really well done and really well made, and the script is really tight. I, I think there's never a dull moment, and the acting is so good. Even though these actors never really did anything huge, mm-hmm. um, the main guy in it, Billy Mayo, who plays the father, who's like basically like very broken down after like a good like ten or fifteen years of like sexual abuse from his son, like he's he's very broken and it's really interesting because his performance is so good and he, the whole movie he's kind of trying to like get the word out there like trying to kind of like write about it and get it out so mm. that he can tell somebody and kind of you know like and not to do it in like a a way that's like in shame of his son but like in shame of both of them where he's like i feel terrible that this even happened like that he let this happen there's so many layers to these characters that I don't know. I just, I love this. I think it's really, really interesting. Hmm. It's a really 
bizarre movie though and it's very disturbing and it's definitely not for everyone but um yeah, yeah. is it w- would it be safe to say there's like kind of some parallels with hereditary because it's kind of like familial baggage maybe kind of like that um yeah, I would say something like that, too. I feel like in the way that it's shot and whatnot, I see Ari Aster's kind of ideas kind of pop in a lot more. Mm. Um, like, the way it's directed and the way it looks. But I would definitely say, like, the familial kind of stuff is definitely there. Because I feel like that's always in his movies, yeah. familial baggage. Because in Midsommar, you got... um. Have you seen Midsommar? Not yet. I need to. I like how I'm concerned about spoiling the movie for you. It's not like people are watching this or anything or <laughs> listening to this that haven't seen it. Um, it's the opening scene, basically, like, Florence Pugh has had, like, a major loss in her family. So mm. that's familial baggage. Hereditary, there's familial baggage. That's kind of what the whole movie's about. Yeah. And then this one, there's familial baggage. And his other short, Manchusen, which also would be an honorable mention, um... There's familial baggage there, too, because the mom doesn't want the kid to go off to college and Hmm. is, like, obsessed with keeping him there. So much that she actually, like, makes him sick so he can't go to college. So there's always something family-related in these movies, I find, which is really interesting. So, Hmm. yeah. But this this is a weird one. I would say don't watch it if you're, like, faint of heart, but it's really, really, really good. And it's very disturbing. And it's hard to disturb me when I watch a movie, but... This and the big shave sure did it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I would I would say yeah, the big shave and the alphabet by David Lynch, both yeah. of those made me deeply uncomfortable. And I'm looking forward to the strange thing about the Johnsons now because I <laughs> I do love when a movie makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, this one's really really weird. Like it's really really weird. And I remember hearing about it and going, "Whoa, that's what that's about!" <laughs> Yikes. Um. Yeah, no, this is a weird one, and <laughs> I feel like some people are going to be like, why is that your number one? Why? It's because it's so well-directed. It's so well-directed. The performances are incredible. There's not a dull moment in the script. I feel like everything in this movie has a purpose. Mm. I feel like he gets across what he wants to get across, and it's just really well done. Like, you see this director, and you're like, he would do big things, and then he did. He made Hereditary, which I think, honestly... Probably would be on, it might be on my top 10 list of the best horror movies of all time. Easily maybe. for like of the past decade, but yeah, all Easily time, it's a contender. Decade. Yeah, of, of all time, it would, de- I without a doubt in my mind, it would be on like the top 20 or 25. Mm-hmm. Easily for top, for of all time. Top, top five of the last decade, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The only thing better than that was the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> <laughs> I know um I know you don't like that so uh, I don't hate it. I think we'll we'll be getting okay. to that one. We'll be getting to that one with something in the future very soon. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. that that one has some merit for sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you say that cuz I actually love the remake. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I love the original more, but like the remake is is great. Like yeah. I think the remake is really good. So, anyway. Um yeah, those are our list of the best short films directed by famous directors. Please check out as many of these as you can. A lot of them are on Criterion and YouTube. So yeah, yeah. check them all out. In fact, I might even drop these into the description because it is it's a lot. And Absolutely. So yeah, yeah if yeah you can you can follow along or check the description 
I'll put this whole list in there because it is so worth seeing. And I'm someone who before this episode kind of underestimated short films. Like I had seen some at like festivals and stuff and it was always kind of never the main event. But yeah, filling filling my day with short films really made me appreciate filmmakers who I already knew. And I had I thought I'd seen everything by them. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's how I felt with this, too. I'm just glad I got to see some more stuff by like, you know. Tim Burton and Safdie Brothers. Because, yeah, Tim Burton, I definitely was like, I've seen everything, haven't I? Mm-hmm. I've seen everything. And now I'm glad I have some homework to do. i got to watch that My Josephine by Barry Jenkins, which I'm really looking forward to. And oh, yeah. Alphabet by David Lynch. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm for sure going to be watching I'm Here, Strange Thing About oh, yeah. the Johnsons, The Black Balloon. <laughs> like, basically, I'm, I'm going to watch everything in your in your 10 that I haven't seen. I'm going to do the exact same with you. Um, got to get yeah. that, gotta get that uh, Criterion membership. Let's get it going. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I I hope we revisit this topic too, because there's, it feels like I'm still missing so much. Like this list could change. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, this is a, this is a really good one too. And I mean, like we're talking about the short film specifically by famous directors. Yeah. That's the thing. I watched a couple that were from lesser known directors and I was like, well, I'm not, I, I I can't in good conscience say they're famous, but (laughs) there's some really good comedy short films out there. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Like, there are some where, like, I think Vin Diesel directed one. Oh. And I didn't watch it because I'm like, he, he, let's be honest, he's not a famous director. He's famous because he he's in the Fast and Furious movies. Yes. You know? He's a famous low grumbler. <laughs> Family. Vin Diesel ASMR coming soon. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, um... Yeah, there are so many. Like, we should do best short films directed by actors or something like that. Mm, um, that's a good one. Because Kirsten Dunst has one. That's Not true. making the list, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to see some of these people. And um, yeah, I mean, like I'd, like, I'd like to look in the short comedy clips from, like, Adam Devine and, like, the Workaholics guys before mm-hmm. they got famous. From, like, Derek Comedy, like, uh, Donald Glover before he was famous. Yeah, there's like, a bunch of Lena Dunham cool. ones, too, which are, like, kind of really? annoying, yeah. but interesting <laughs> i mean they're more like that's those, what i figured yeah. they're more like those like social experiment kind of youtube videos it feels like but it's interesting <laughs> really lena dunham's doing like pranks and shit yeah like, like <laughs> for real wow i love that yeah Alrighty. yeah no we'll definitely have to revisit this topic definitely in season two because oh boy season two is gonna be awesome Yes, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm so excited, eternally excited. But for now, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for listening. And you can find all our relevant links to our YouTube, our Instagram, our Twitter uh, at hawkonmedia.com. We're also finally on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. So if you're hearing this, give us a rating because it does help a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And be sure to follow... Um, Greg and Matt movie chat on Instagram for regular updates and polls and fun stuff. So if, if you want to get involved in the chat, hop in on there. It's a lot of fun. And that about does it. Come back next week. We are starting the The Hulk on Scarathon. Till next time, everybody. (laughs) 